We're continuing our series, and the screen uh, you'll see in a moment, the image came up there. By Royal Invitation is the series that we are looking at uh, currently. And uh, you'll see there that today, the marriage feast of the Lamb is the subject that we are going to be looking at. And I'll be reading in Revelation a little bit later. But I want you to try and recall the best place that you've ever been to. Just going to pause a few seconds and just try and think of the best place that you have ever been to. It's really hard, isn't it? (laughs) Because there are so many beautiful places in the world. And we don't have to go far, do we? There's one or two very local beaches. We'll be having a picnic on on one of these very soon, on that one. And and so just this is on our doorstep. Isn't it beautiful? There should be four of them. Is that two? Gribbon Head. Again, where we're going to have the picnic. Uh, we, We only have to go a very short distance to be in some beautiful scenery. I want you now to try and imagine the best experience that you've ever experienced. Again, I'm just going to pause for a little while. Again, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to narrow it down, but I just picked up a couple of of slides of people who probably were having, hopefully... A great experience. <laughs> what happened? It changed to me. What happened there? <laughs> uh, that's really thrown me. Anyway, what, what I want to say is that whatever the best place we can imagine that, you know, we've had, the, the best experience we've ever had is absolutely nothing compared to what God has for those who love him, for those who are believers. And the the problem I've got this morning is that what I'm going to try and communicate to you is I just haven't got the vocabulary to do it. So I can't do it. So the job I've got this morning is totally impossible because how can I describe to you something that is even bigger and better than your brain and my brain can even Imagine. On the flip side, every one of us has had bad experiences. And I'm not going to ask you to think about those. But, you know, the the wonderful thing is that God has said that all the bad stuff will be gone. There will not be any more bad stuff in this awesome place. The new heaven and the new earth. And I'm going to pick a few verses from Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. I'm not going to read all of it, but it'd be great if you could do that in your own time. But Revelation 21, verse 3, the second half. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
Revelation 22, 15. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Back to chapter 21, 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Wow. Wow. In the first century, Jesus sent out 72 of his followers and he said, go out and preach the kingdom of God, minister the kingdom of God. And they came back and they were so happy They were so full of joy. They were so on fire. They said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said this. He said, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Having our names written in heaven is a big deal. It is the most important thing to have your name written in heaven. Why? Why is our name written in heaven? Why is this such a big deal? Well, it is the invite list to the greatest wedding feast that will ever take place. It is the greatest invite to the greatest event. And in Revelation 19, verse 6 to 9, we get a little taste of this. Then I heard the sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It would be so easy for us to transfer our Western wedding tradition onto this event. But that wouldn't do it justice. And obviously this is far superior to the wedding tradition of the first century Jewish culture. But let me tell you what that was. It wasn't just a sit-down dinner for the guests. No, it was seven full days of food, music, dance and celebration. So the people who read this, they weren't thinking of a little sit-down meal. They were thinking of a week-long, full-on celebration and 
faced. So I want us to, to try and think of some of the aspects of this wedding feast, even though it's impossible to grasp it fully. And we're going to have to use things that we are familiar with to help us understand it. So I'm going to start by looking at the atmosphere. The atmosphere. The wedding feast is often an occasion with a great atmosphere. It's not that long since we had Kieran and Heidi's wedding here, and there was a great atmosphere. At Becky and my wedding reception, there was a great atmosphere. There's a, a picture of me. That, oh, that's what you were laughing at. I get it now. This, this, was, this was me during the best man's speech. So you can kind of get a feeling of the atmosphere. Uh, the speech was given by my son, Daniel. My only son, who I love. Well, decide for yourself. Listen to some of what he said. I've uh, I've known John all my life. Times he's been like a father to me. Perhaps unusual for a green trusted son to be his best man. Someone who's cleaned up after my sick and you know, got me to stop crying, who's shown me how to build things out of Lego and how to tie my tie. This morning was quite busy actually looking back on it. Wasn't it? <laughs> Stop yourself from laughing aloud. 
I to the privilege to join all the I think the opportunity passes out. I'll give you just a brief example of one such snore, which I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try my best. Something along the lines of. It's a little bit jerky, I don't know why, but anyway, what I wanted to get across was the atmosphere. Could you feel the atmosphere? There was such an atmosphere of joy and, and of celebration, and uh, it, was, it was a great occasion. So, bless him, Daniel, sharing some of my qualities uh, with a bit of poetic license, but pretty accurate, to be honest. You know, when we think about the wedding feast of the Lamb, the level of joy that will be in that event is just absolutely stunning. There will be such joy that it will be overwhelming, that it will be full, it will be pure, it will just be the best joy that we have ever known to the max. The sound of laughter. And I read that passage about this great multitude, this great sound. A multitude that we've never ever experienced before. Such joy. Daniel, during the best man's speech, he turned the focus to the bridegroom. And that heightened the joy and the laughter. (laughs) At that ultimate royal wedding, the attention will be turned to the bridegroom, the Lamb of God. And not only will there be overwhelming joy, but there will be deep, deep, deep gratitude. A gratitude that will be way beyond anything we've ever felt. See, Jesus Christ has many, many titles. And this great feast could have been given many, many titles. For example, he is the king of kings. So it could have been called the wedding supper of the king. He is known as the lion of Judah. And I've got a picture of, of a lion. You know, lion gives that sense of power, doesn't it? The wedding feast of the lion. But no, the next picture. The wedding feast of the lamb. Why the lamb? Well, when I think about Jesus as king, I am so glad that he is king, the highest authority, and and I want to worship when I remember Jesus as king. When I think of Jesus as the all-powerful lion, and I like to do that, I want to praise him for his almighty power. But when I think about Jesus, the Lamb of God, I love him. 
I love him. Not with a sexual love, but a sacrificial love. The first century Christians reading this book would be so familiar with the sacrificial lamb. That the priest would take a lamb without defect and blemish and would sacrifice the lamb and the blood would flow to remove the people's guilt and forgive their sin. That was the old sacrificial system. That old sacrificial system was fulfilled. It was brought to completion when Jesus Christ on the cross cried, It is finished. Hebrews 10.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It goes on to verse 28. Christ was sacrificed once for all to take away the sins of many people. No wonder in Revelation 5 we have this awesome song of gratitude. You are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The modern songwriter put it like this. My Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free. Amazing love, oh what sacrifice. The Son of God given for me, my debt he pays, and my death he dies, that I might live. And so they watched him die, despised, rejected, but all the blood he shed flowed for me. And now this love of Christ shall flow like rivers. Come wash your guilt away. Live again. When we look at the bridegroom and we see those glorious scars in his hands, and his feet, where the nails pierced as he was nailed to the cross. My heart is going to be so full. My love will be far greater than it is down here as I see those sacrificial wounds. I'm sure your heart too will be filled with deep gratitude, love, worship, joy, beyond anything we've ever known. What a bridegroom is the Lamb of God. No other can compare. What an atmosphere at the feast. None other can compare. But what about the bride? 
got a, a picture here coming up of Becky, my bride, my beautiful bride. She was my precious princess on that day, and still is. Don't start digging, just stop. But who is the bride at the feast, the wedding feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb? We need to go right back to the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, the Lamb's Book of Life is not a guest list. It is the bride list. The bride is not one person, but a multitude made up of people from every nation, every tribe, every language. We will have one thing in common. We will be wearing a white robe. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. My mind goes back to Isaiah 61. The passage that's very, very precious to this church because it talks about bringing freedom to the captives. But if we keep reading, when we get to verse 10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Then Revelation seven fourteen, They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We are made right before God. The word often used is righteous. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. His free gift of forgiveness. It's the only thing that can make hearts clean. Nothing else can clean our hearts. Nothing. Except the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, who gives us the white robes to wear, collectively, we make this beautiful bride. And I wanted to to, to find an image, a a, a YouTube clip, an advert, something that could convey something of this concept of, of many forming one. And I don't particularly like this advert, to be honest with you, but it really communicates this truth. I can't find any other, so watch it. It's It's the Sanitex Hydrate Shower Gel. What did I say? Oh, sorry. Oh, you haven't got it? Okay. There's a reason for that. It's on my memory stick and I didn't give it to you. Right. Okay. Well, let me describe it to you. There is a multitude of people and you see the hands breaking and there is a brokenness in the skin. It's reflecting, it's depicting a human body. And so the skin breaks and it's the dry skin that is being represented. And then the hydrating shower brings it all back together. But everybody is skin coloured and so the whole thing just blends into one. So if you've seen it, then you understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then I'm really sorry. But if you imagine the bride as this vast multitude of believers from every part of the world, from every part of history, a sea of white. 
forming this beautiful bride. It's not the brokenness of skin, the dryness of skin that's been put back together, but it's Christ healing all our brokenness. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Jesus heals brokenness. And that ultimate act of of healing, where there is total unity, no more brokenness, total, pure healing. No black spots, not even a touch of grey, absolutely beautiful white, unbroken. You know, the wonderful thing is that we are one in Christ. And by the time we get to this great marriage supper, all division and all brokenness will be gone through the work of Christ on the cross. We will all have new resurrection bodies. Resurrection body that is neither male nor female. That's hard to understand, but what it means is the great gender divide is gone forever. Each body will have that perfect balance of masculinity and femininity. National divides gone forever. There will only be one king and one kingdom. Satan will have been thrown into the lake of fire, unable to tempt or create havoc anymore. There will be a perfect king and a perfect Kingdom, The wealth divide gone forever. We will all be truly satisfied, totally content, lacking nothing, not wanting a little bit more. We won't need any more. And as Jesus looks upon us, he sees this beautiful, pure bride without spot. A pure, radiant, joyful bride, full of thanksgiving, full of gratitude, full of praise for the bridegroom who was paid in full for us to be there and to enjoy the marriage feast. All the buzz and excitement of the crowd without the loneliness in the crowd. Fully involved, totally part of it. Nobody on the edge, nobody left out. And after the great wedding feast, the bride and his groom will live together. You know, the culture of their day was that during the betrothal period, which was similar to our engagement period, that the groom had to prepare a home for his bride. And it had to be up to scratch because the bridegroom's father checked it out. Sorry, the bride's father, not the bridegroom's father. The bride's father checked it out. So it had to come up to scratch before the wedding feast could take place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, I'll come back and take you to be with me where I am. (laughs) 
the wedding feast comes before we move in, in God's house, God's new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. What a palace, what a place, a royal city, full of beauty, full of joy, full of peace, full of love, with no trash in it. Nothing impure in it. No fears, no worries, no negatives. All because of the Lamb who was slain. Now we see Christ through the eyes of faith. Then we will see him as he fully is. Now we know in part. Then we will fully know. All because of the Lamb who was slain. We're going to sing, it's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. And this is in preparation, if the band would come up, this is in preparation for communion. We're going to have communion together this morning. This meal is for all who are the bride. And if you're not part of the bride of Christ, if your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, it can be. It can be today. And you can come and take this as an act of humility and faith. Because that's all it takes. The great news is that Jesus has died for you. The great news is he shed his blood for you that you might be forgiven, that you might be cleansed, that you might be pure, so that you can be part of the spotless bride. There is no other way. There is no other way. If you don't do this, then you will not be part of the bride. If you don't do this, you will go with Satan and all of his souls to hell. That's the brutal truth. You don't have to. You don't have to because of the Lamb who was slain. If you don't know him, then I I really encourage you this morning, come and take communion in humility and faith and just reach out to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me. It's your blood that cleanses me. And if you've been a Christian for donkey's years, then come with a thankful heart this morning. Oh, come with a thankful heart. Think about what's to come. Think about the great feast that you're going to be part of all because the Lamb who was slain for you and for me.